Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Today is episode number 146. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about pets in the shop, cordless tools, and a great response from last week's podcast on uh, multiple tools. Today's episode is brought to you by Tightbond Tools. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. And speaking of last week's episode, we apparently touched a nerve. (laughs) We sure did. (laughs) There were a lot, a lot of comments on the youtubes there's some love for shopsmith tools jeez right yeah i just lost respect for half the community (laughs) no one stands up to to defend antarja right when it comes to shopsmith yeah yeah (sighs) steve says i'm here with storm and one two three i have three routers I used to have a fourth, but gave it to a friend whose house burned down at the Creek Fire in our area in California. But I also have over 40 rods and reels. My wife says I can only use one at a time. Wrong. Addiction? Where are these support groups? But to justify my addiction, one of the three routers is in my table saw that has a built-in router insert. Uh, E.G. Blue Suede says, if space or money isn't an issue, I'd have two table saws, two band saws, three bench grinders, and three or four routers. Be nice to have a few set up for certain operations and maximize shop time. Now, I didn't think about having multiple shop grinders. That's a... I would completely do that. Yeah. Because I can see that because, especially for you, Logan, you Mm -hmm. you could have one that would be kind of your like tool rehab grinder yep. that would have like a wire wheel on a, one side and maybe a buffing wheel on the other. Yep. I have, I have three. Right. So yeah, completely. Uh, Storm in one, two, three mentioned earlier says, did you guys somehow tailor this episode for me? I have a router obsession. I have two router tables with permanent routers. One over the one over the table router system with router one manual three-axis milling system with a router, a Panto router, which I love, a Porter Cable 690 for freehand routing, a Bosch Colt kit, and a rigid cordless trim router. Is there a support group with people with too many routers? find that having two router tables is convenient when I'm doing two-bit routing, such as tongue-and-groove or rail-and-style profiles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably could get by with less. However, I like not having to move the routers from machine to machine. By the way, I also have two shopsmiths. <laughs> Logan, I love my shopsmiths. I purchased one 25 years ago and used it as a multifunction tool, which at that time was great because that is all I had for for stationary tools. About 20 years ago, I purchased a used shopsmith for sanding, drilling, and lathe work. The major drawback of the shopsmith is the table saw having to tilt the table to do miters. However, I found workarounds for that. I also use a radial arm saw and my sliding compound miter saw for breaking down lumber on a custom bench, which houses both. My shop is 632 square feet, which might be large by some accounts. However, I live in an 1895 home in Connecticut, and the basement is not 
one large room. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, I think if you acquire like five shopsmiths, they transform <laughs> into a, and combine into one like super shopsmith. Right, right, yeah. Shop, uh, Shoptimus Prime. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like the Constructicons that they would get yeah. together and form Devastator. So. Yeah. It's like Shop Voltron or something. <laughs> Shop Voltron. <laughs> Lion O. I don't know. Oh, man. One of those 80s cartoons. Yep. No, that's fair. Yeah, there's quite a few comments on here. I could, we could spend a lot of time looking at some of these. I see. I think the reason people obtain multiple shopsmiths is so they can set one up for each operation. Yep. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I think the main thing about having multiple tools, like, uh, I don't remember who mentioned it, but like having two router tables set up for two operations, it's, it's just really convenient. And I think a lot about woodworking is, um, momentum and like every time you have to stop and change mm -hmm. a bit or blade, you kind of lose momentum and it's a good place to stop and yeah, just, it's hard to get started again. So yeah, just convenience and momentum. That's yeah. what it's all about. That's true, because I will say that, and this is an argument in your favor from the largesse of having working in the building where we are now, where it's like, uh, the joiner planer is set up as a planer and I need to joint something. Mm -hmm. So I'll walk 150 feet to the main shop and joint something rather than switch it back over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, or we have a dado blade set up on the table saw in the studio here. And if I need to cut something, rather than switch out the dado blade, I'll walk back over to the main shop and, mm -hmm. and cut something. Yeah. So apparently we're just that kind of lazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, so like the grinder thing isn't something I thought about, but I do have, I mean, whoever said that, I have three bench grinders. Um, yeah. And there's a very real reason why you're exactly right, Phil. One of them I have set up with a wire wheel and a buffer. Um, technically, that's not a bench grinder. Technically, that one was sold as a like buffer, right? Uh, machine, but it's a bench grinder. Um, I have one set up with my CBN wheels that I use for turning sharpening. Okay. And with CBN, you can't grind mild steel. Um, it clogs up the the grit on it. So oh, okay. I have, I also have another bench grinder. That one's, this one's in my garage. It's my like, oh crap, I cut this piece of mild steel an eighth inch too long and I need to grind an eighth inch off of it. It's that bench grinder. Um, right. It has the nasty wheels that, you know, are from the 1970s from my grandpa's garage and stuff. So anyway, my dog's in here with me today. So if you hear occasional barking, that's the reason. So. Which is a great segue. It is. It's one of our topics. Yes. And I just randomly suggested this before we started because this was like one of my most controversial articles. And yet it was also the one that you really wanted to write. Well, okay. And the reason I, so the article was pets in the shop and like pet safety in the shop. Right. Because I think anybody that spends any time on social media gets pictures. Like I could go on any woodworking Facebook page today and I could right. find seven or eight pictures of somebody with their pets in their shop within that was posted within the last 24 hours. Yeah. People have their pets in the shop all the time, right. like shop cats, shop dogs, Anna of all trades has her shop goats and bunnies and whatever else she has chickens. Mm -hmm. And 
like, yeah, it's a fun thing to have a shop companion, you know, that talks less than I do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I wanted to do this article on, you know, hey, cool. Yeah, you have your pet in the shop, but there are some safety concerns for your pet, you know, such as there's wood that they shouldn't be eating. You know, there's... Uh, their ears are more sensitive than ours. You know, what can you do to kind of make your pet more comfortable? Because they probably like hanging out with you in there. Like they yeah. want to be where you're at. So what can you do to make them a little bit more comfortable? Um, give them a place where they can go lay down, stay out of stuff. They're not getting into finishes. They're not getting into sawdust, whatever. Um, boy, and I got the emails. <laughs> I I never knew we had so many retired veterinarians that were subscribers. <laughs> scolded me for allowing pets in the shop and it's like look hey i'm just telling people what they need to do to keep them safe they're gonna do it anyways mm -hmm. yeah. so or to be just a little more more mindful of it because i mean yeah. pets are such a large part of people's lives that your pet a comp accompanies you in everything that you almost don't give it a, a second thought like yeah, on, exactly. in the car. Yep. You know, going to friends and family. Yep. Yep. Running exactly. around out in the shop. Yeah. yeah. The dog or the cat's going to be out there. I mean, yeah. Nancy Hiller even wrote a book. Her last book was about the various pets and animals that she yeah. had with her shop. So, yeah, I think a little bit might be a cultural divide too, where, you know, some people live, with pets that are mainly in the house and, you know, very spoiled. And then we have a large rural population here where there's outdoor yeah. cats, dogs right. or cats that kind of, you know, wander wherever. And we have detached machine shops and, you know, the cats take care of the mice type thing. And they kind of just follow you, mm -hmm. you know, into your work area or wherever you're going and, and have that kind of pet and, whatnot. And then another thing is I think you same with children and woodworking. It's like, you kind of have to decide, you know, at what age or temperament you know, that what's okay. they can be in the shop or, you know, where, you know, do they need to be there or is it safe or they being supervised or, you know, that type of thing as far as like trust wise. So, yeah. so yeah, there are people that are very much like, Oh yeah, I have a shop pet and, they can go wherever and it's safe. And some people, you know, there's no way that they would have their cat or dog or boa constrictor in the shop with them. So, <laughs> I like Whatever. the people that are turners and you get the gratuitous, you know, leaf pile of shavings. And it's usually, usually a golden retriever that is just buried. All you see is the up. face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's funny. So, speaking of her, does she is Luna ever come into the shop with you at all, or does she mainly stay in the house? She's mainly a house dog. There's been okay. times when I've had her out there. Uh, it because my shop's unheated, so it's usually yeah. a pretty narrow range of temperatures where she's going to feel comfortable. And I'm usually only going to do stuff, have her out there when I'm uh, doing hand tool work. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have her out there mm -hmm. if I'm running the planer 
um, even the bandsaw router just, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of just where, how I draw the line with it, but I've had her out there with stuff. So would it, do, do those loud noises freak her out at all? Or, or is she just kind of like, not really, doesn't really care. Uh, I mean, she, she's not a big fan of the vacuum cleaner in general <laughs> okay. in the house. Okay. <laughs> so, and I don't know that it's necessarily that it freaks her out. It's, uh, I, I guess I'm just more concerned about it just being super loud noises. Yeah. And I can easily put hearing protection on. Uh, she wouldn't stand for it. Yeah, they do. And part of my article was they do right. make hearing protection for dogs. Like yeah. they make doggy earmuffs. And that was um, one of your dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had up until last week I had, well, I had two dogs. Um, I had one of my, I had my black lab in there for that photo shoot. We put her down a couple of years ago and I just put my last one down last week. So anybody that has been to my place, which there are several listeners that have been to my place and met Cooper, he's no longer here. Um, but he was old. Um, but yeah, she like Bailey wore those just fine. Like, I don't think she didn't really enjoy them, but you know, like if she was just, if the dog was just laying there, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and there goes Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think our, we have a little dog too, that like she would follow me around in the garage or the shop if I'm doing, you know, assembly or, you know, quiet activities, but I don't think she'd really enjoy the power tools and stuff running. So. Yeah. So, well, perfect. and it's, yeah. Yeah. I say it's, it's funny. Cause my gun dog, Bailey, the, the lab, I mean, she's a hunting dog, so a lot of noises don't it wouldn't bother her really. Um, Cooper, oh man, that dog! The wind—if the wind blew—he was like shaking and hiding under the bed. He's like a ninety-pound retriever, like he's huge. But nope, didn't like him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he would he would always like poke his head down in the shop. But as soon as like I picked up something that he thought looked suspicious, he's like, "Nope, <laughs> done. I'm out." <laughs> Yeah, I'm out. Uh, yeah, but you know, I I was telling you guys before we started, you know, we're we are picking up a couple puppies. Um, we're picking one up next weekend, um, and I am looking forward to having a shop dog again. Like, you know, I think if I could start them young and get them in there, and you know, granted, you know, the shopping building here has an office, so they can go lay in the office and stay away from most of the noise for the most part. Um, I think that'll be pretty nice. So stranger danger. Yep. Stranger yeah. danger. Yeah. We have a camera crew in here today cause we're going to be filming and Jack made the unforgivable sin of getting up and walking around. So. <laughs> <laughs> Stop uh, existing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would not mind having a shop cat either. Um, I mean, not that I want a herd at my house, although getting, two puppies at the same time sounds like I'm getting a herd, but like, I think if you, like you mentioned, John, you know, we have a, a rural population. There's a lot of rural uh, areas around here. People have outside shops, whatever. Um, it would not be a bad thing to have a shop cat to deal with mice and such. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I'd just be worried about a cat trying to use a pile of sawdust as a litter box. <laughs> I don't want that. No yeah. sawdust litter box. So. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, rural exterior shops are kind of like perfect homes for mice because they have their little easy to get into little, you know, piles of wood chips and dust for nests. And yeah, usually they're warm and protected. So perfect little mice havens. Yeah. Yeah. I think we even get them here in our city shop. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's funny watching Mark try to chase him down because it's like um, <laughs> Mount, the movie Mousetrap. Like, <laughs> yes, he has everything set up and uh, can't get him. Yep. Yep. But, yeah. So your dog, John, doesn't go out in the shop very often, huh? No, she's a little bit more skittish and around loud noises and stuff so she'll follow me outside but she'd prefer to be away from the noises yeah so and i always hear about people that like break their ankles because of like tripping over a dog <laughs> and i always said it was it was like it would be our dog because she's like always like kind of just quietly underfoot and so just stay out of the way she preferred to just be curled up on the top of the couch Right. So. Yeah. And that's how my dog is. She would rather be able to bark at the Amazon car or truck driving down the street or yep. FedEx or something like that. Then, although like when I do kick, when I'm cooking in the evening, she'll kind of lay down right in the entryway to the kitchen where she's perfect for, you know, carrying hot bowls and pans out mm-hmm. to the table and being like right in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. that's her superpower. I want to thank Tightbond for their sponsorship of this episode. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend um, that I here in town that I'll go churn with uh, on the weekends and stuff. And Greg has a uh, a Great Dane, Mira, mm-hmm. and well, that dog's not getting underfoot. She's getting like she's pushing you out of the way. I mean, she's. <laughs> I don't remember what Greg said, but I, she's like, she's close to 200 pounds. Like she's huge. Like she's wow. 90 pounds. She's massive. Um, and she Which likes is a compliment, by the way. I mean, yeah, she's, she's thick. You know what I mean? Uh, T-H-I-C-C. Yeah, that's right. You know, in a good uh, way. Healthy. She, Looking healthy. healthy. Uh, but she likes to grab like chunks of wood. And that's, that's always been my concern of like having a dog in the shop because uh, Cooper, when he was little, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he used to eat wood chips. Like he would just grab a wood chip, like out of the dog park and eat it. And Mira likes to grab hunks of wood. So like, you know, if we're like cutting bowl blanks, like you'll throw the corners off and she'll just grab them and she'll take them to her bed and start chewing on them. And like, right. that's fine and dandy until like she starts eating them. Like chewing on it is different than eating it. Right. Uh, but then, and this is more of a training thing, I think. Then she thinks that a finished piece is a chew toy. And I think the closest that dog ever got to being murdered was <laughs> Greg had turned this like a really nice, like a uh, 
kind of like a cigar bowl ashtray um, okay. out of like some weird uh, uh, Australian burl. Like I'm sure it was like way more money than it should have been. And like he spent like four nights working on this thing, got it all finished up, looked great. And then the dog got a hold of it. Like literally the next day. It's like, oh Perfect. no. So that's always, that's always my concern with having a dog in the shop is they're going to get a hold of something they shouldn't. So yeah. get a hold of a bottle of tight bond glue or hide glue. or something. I remember, uh, after shortly after I started at Woodsmith, when the big, uh, gorilla glue kickoff was with polyurethane glue. And then shortly after that, you'd start hearing horror stories of, you know, people gluing their fingers together or whatever. And then one was a, a dog that had licked up a bunch of gorilla glue. Cause it mm-hmm. just something about the smell of it, you know, and they ended up having to remove like a football sized block foam. of foam out of a dog's stomach. So, hmm. yeah. So you kind of, kind of got to watch it a little bit. And plus with my garage being in the, my shop being in the garage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just don't want, if I'm working on something and not knowing where the dog is, you know, getting something, you know, tangled up in kids' toys or. Yeah. And if nothing else, just getting filthy in, <laughs> yeah. you know, just garage grime and. I love my dog, but I do not love bathing her often or unnecessarily. So yeah, we got a lot of comments on that one. That was pretty funny. It was kind of interesting because there were a lot of people that had shop animals and still were kind of aghast that we would do that article, which I thought was (laughs) curious. Yeah. Like we have them. We just don't, don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be telling everybody. It's like those people that have shopsmiths. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my discussion question for listeners and viewers. Do you have a shop pet? A, what is it? And two, what do you do to, you know, like how much time do you have it out in the shop with you? And what are you doing or not doing that you would keep keep it in the house for? So tell us your shop pet stories. And if you have something, some pet that's super unusual, that's even better. Yeah, I think the oddest one I've seen is there's one guy that has pictures of goats in his shop all the time. Like, not like, not like I live in the country and I have a picturesque barn and I have doors open and the goats just wander in. Right. It's like, it's like he has a garage and there's goats in it with him. Yeah. You know. Okay. You know, right. Anne Briggs has bunnies. Right. And, you know, she yeah. has uh, donkeys and whatever that'll. Yeah. Stick their heads in. Stick their heads in. Stuff like that. I'm looking for somebody South Florida, like an iguana. <laughs> um, shop gator. Shop gator. <laughs> I think the logical thing would be like a shop hamster or shop guinea pig, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like with yep. all the sawdust. Mm-hmm. Yep. I could see that. It's symbiosis. Yeah. yeah, I'm just confused where they find 
that much shop sawdust in the wild. Yeah, right. And maybe it's regional, you know, are there, you know, is it, are you more likely to have a shop cat in this part of the country and the shop dogs in this part of the country? I have to assume that cats would be more prevalent in like farm country, right? I don't know. Cause I, I think of like, you know, a farm dog. You know, like my yeah. grandparents would have, you know, a farm dog that was, you know, 50% um, motion detector, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of keep animals away and stuff. But yeah, I was just thinking like with going back to John's rural, like people out with their shops. Right. Although, to be fair, a lot around us, a lot of those outdoor shops are like machine like they're like metal shops it's like oh crap combine's broke pull it in right pack it apart weld it back together yeah but still i mean you probably would have more barn cats than you would have farmyard dogs so yeah they run in gangs yep so if south florida has shop iguanas what would like the pacific northwest have then Shop bears, mm. shop Moose? bears, marmots. Caribou? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. They probably drink That's coffee a... though. Whatever it is. Yeah, they're, they're probably beaver too. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe shop beaver. Yeah. We'll find somebody that has a shop raccoon, like an intentional, <laughs> yeah, an intentional yes. shop intentional. raccoon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're out there. That's the other thing. It has to be for an, a legitimate shop pet. It has to be invited or welcome or intentional. Yes. I, will, I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast. I was cleaning my shop downstairs uh, one day and I was sweeping out from underneath my bench because I have one of those stupid benches that stuff can get underneath it. And I look under there. And I'm like, there is fur. Why is there fur under my bench? And I'm like, I'm going to have to reach in there and see what it is. So I reach in there and grab it. And it was a chunk of raccoon fur from, mm. like, it was like a tanned raccoon I had. Like, mm. I had, like, I don't remember what it was. Must have been, like, right after trapping season or something. Mm-hmm. And I had a tanned raccoon hide. And somehow... A chunk of that fur had got pushed under my... It scared the crap out of me. So I'm like, <laughs> this is in my basement. What is living under my bench? Just a chunk of raccoon fur. Mm-hmm. It's better than finding it in your, like, table saw. That's true. Yeah. In the motor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where did that fur come from? Well, and anybody that's in crop country has probably seen pictures of raccoons that get in combines. Mm-hmm. We call those raccoon jelly. Yeah. Yum. What do you have for updates for this week? Anything new? You sent out, Logan, photos of having ceiling up in your shop. I do. I don't have it all up yet. Um, I think maybe um, this evening I have a buddy that's going to come over. We're going to help. Uh, we're going to put some up. Um, yeah. Shop's insulated. 
got my radiant actually working. I said I wasn't going to mention the radiant not working because <laughs> Nelson was going to give me crap for it. I already messaged. I, well, I already messaged him and was like, "Dude, I, I said I was going to say anything, but I'm going to say it." Um, I had issues with my radiant, uh, the in-floor heat, not necessarily because of the DIY kit, but because. This is unusual for me. Usually I will research something to the ends of the earth before I do anything about it. Like, I just am that type of person. I'm hyper fixated on stuff. I didn't when I did this in-floor heat. I don't know why. Um, the manifold they sent was simply ball valves. So you have loops that go in to the floor, spins around, it comes back out. So you have one entry, one exit for each loop. I have five loops. Um, one zone, so they're all on or they're all off. Um, but five loops and the flow would be controlled with those ball valves. Well, most manufacturers of radiant floor systems, meaning the panels and the boilers suggest a certain flow rate through each loop. And then if you need more heat, you increase the flow rate. If you need less heat in that loop, you decrease the flow rate. Um, so, so I, I got my boiler system, my panel all set up and I was having problems with it. Like the water was going in the floor hot. It's coming out really cold. And the whole, I was just trying to keep the floor warm a little bit because you would walk in there when it was 50 degrees out. And that concrete was like 20 degrees and it was colder in the building than it was outside the building. So I was just trying to get a little bit of heat going through there to get the concrete up to like ambient air temperature. Uh, I had a small problem with the boiler. The manufacturer sent me a replacement part for the boiler and that fixed the issue. But I didn't, I was not able to control the flow through these loops like I wanted. So I ended up actually ordering another manifold, cutting the one that I already put on off, putting the new manifold on it, which has flow meters. And now everything's working fantastically. It is cycling as it should. It is working flawlessly. So a little bit of growing pains, but it was worth it. But yeah, we started putting ceiling up um, after the concrete got warm. It was warm enough in there to get ceiling up. Um, I was really debating on whether to do drywall or a steel ceiling. I was worried about steel, a steel ceiling sounding a little tinny or echoey if I'm trying to film video in there. However, I, I found... Um, they manufacture acoustic steel. So it is ribbed steel panels that are perforated. So the sound waves can travel through it. And it actually has a better sound rating than drywall. So I went that route because it was actually cheaper to go with acoustic steel than it was for me to put two by fours across the entire ceiling and then pay somebody to hang drywall and mud and tape it. So, so yeah, so we got... Most of the ceiling put up, I have eight pieces of steel left to put up. It's very odd because you can't see through the steel. I mean, it's perforated, but you can't see through it until I flip the lights on in the other half of the building. And then you can see through it. And it's like this weird, like sheer curtain look up there, I think. But once I, you know, blow insulation in, I think it'll be fine. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, marching away slowly. I am pulling for a mid-April move-in date for all the shop stuff. So we'll see. I got lights. Lights showed up um, 
this week. Um, so those that'll be interesting. I'm going to do an article on shop lighting because um, I bought the lights from a company called American Green Lights, and they specialize in designing lights for your space. So like I sent them a shop layout and he ran computer simulations on what the lighting and what the shadows would do in the shop with, with different light setups. Um, and then he gave me a suggestion on the lights um, and I ordered them from him. He, they were a little bit more expensive from them, but I'm like, you know what? I mean, they went through the, the effort of giving me this simulation. So those showed up. So those have to get installed too. So we're marching away. We're marching. It's slow. Are those like all sloppy. like LED, like yeah, fluorescent tube light type things, but LED. Um, yeah, what, they're what? they're actually they look like a fluorescent fixture, like a like a what are they T eight fixture where they have the big bulbs that yeah. snap in, but there's no bulb and no bulb holder. Instead, they are strips of like adhesive back LEDs. So mm-hmm. each you know, four foot long fixture has the reflector still, and then it has five or six strips of lights in there. Um, and I needed a little bit higher wattage ones because my ceilings are, are so high. I mean, they're 14 foot ceilings, so I need a little bit more power. Um, and I think I got not to brag or anything. No, I mean, not, I mean, yeah, it's not, a, not a they're so high. They're so yeah. high. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think I got 12 or 14 lights for the area. Um, and actually Jim, uh, Jim at American green lights, he, he gave me suggestions for lights for the office and the bathroom as well. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm just going to put can lights in there. Yeah. I mean, not, not like cans, but like led pucks. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about the color of light in there, <laughs> you know, or yeah. I guess the, the bigger thing is like, and this is, this is part of what I want to talk about when I get this article put together is um, lighting has a, what's called a CRI value. It's color retention index. Um, and it's how true color looks with that light. Like if anybody's ever taken, you know, like a, I, I discovered this when I was in the print industry. Like if you take a printed magazine and look at it in under fluorescent lights and then take it outside, the colors look completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and a high, a higher CRI value gives you that truer color look. So, I mean, most people don't necessarily think about that in the shop. They think about, oh, what is it? Is it a 5K light? Is it a 3K light? Or what, what color is the light? But that color of the light can also change the color that you're looking at. So if somebody's trying to match stain in their shop that has poor CRI value lights, they won't be able to match it. You know, you need a higher mm-hmm. CRI value. So I think that's where a lot of the price on these lights came in is that they are a high CRI value. Um, and they, you know, color should appear really true in there. So, so it'll be interesting. It'll be cool. And yeah. I didn't realize that. So the ambient light, like where Phil's at right now, you know, might be, they, they measure ambient lighting in like foot candles. So it's a measure of how much light is in the area and the, a workshop, like a woodworking shop should have two to three times the amount of foot candles as an office space, which is kind of interesting to me. I didn't know that. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot talking to Jim on the phone for like 45 minutes. So it was pretty cool. All right, John, you got anything? 
Uh, still trying to finish up the little compact router table. Been working. I don't remember if I mentioned it last week or two weeks ago or whenever that was, but like I mentioned before, it's all about momentum. <laughs> I think uh, one Friday I was working on it and doing really well, and I got a call from the school that I had to pick up a sick kid and really, you know, stop the momentum. Mm-hmm. So I got to get back onto it, but I'm pretty close yeah. on it. So. All right. Which is always it's always hardest to finish the last little bit. Yeah. It feels like. So but we'll get there. Yeah. I feel the same way about a couple of my video projects. I got one where I'm want to do a leather writing surface and it's on a hinged it's got a fake drawer that drops down and then pulls out. I'm like, do I do the leather before I put the hinges on? Or hinges and then put the leather over the top of it? where am I going to get the leather? How thick? And then it's like, I don't want to deal with this right now. So I will do something else. So yeah. And I'll tell you, leather's not cheap either. I know. Like, I mean, if you go into, like we have Tandy, Tandy's a, a pretty big chain. So I think most people have a Tandy somewhere close to them and you can walk in and they have, I mean, they have like ostrich leather. They have, you know, pig leather, they have a bunch of stuff. It's expensive. Like, yeah. I have a couple of rolls that I keep. It's probably actually on my desk behind Phil. Yes, it uh, is. That, that I bought, like, three years ago on Black Friday because it's like, oh, it's not $250 per side. It's, like, $150 per side. So I just bought them. No plans for them. Right. Um, but it's like, oh, it was a good sale price. So, yeah, it's expensive. You could do, I will say, the um, the poker table I built a couple of years ago, I used a vinyl leather, some might call it a pleather, um, and it was pretty good. Oh, yeah? Um, that might be a good option. I think most, um, like, fabric stores have it. Okay. V- vegan leather. Vegan leather. <laughs> yeah. They have to skin a lot of zucchini to get enough to make it. Right. <laughs> skin of a naga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luna hated that joke. Yeah, she did. Man. <laughs> Our two camera guys are here, and she's not sure about them. I'm not, I mean, they I'm are sure kind of sketchy. Yeah. Is it worse to try to do a podcast with a kid or with a barking dog? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. This is real life, folk. Yep. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thanks to Type On Glue. I've been woodworking for a long time, and the glue that I've used the entire time has been a Type On Glue. Uh, started with the original and graduated to Type On 2 when I needed to do something outdoors. Now, for me, it's all about their liquid hide glue and Type On 3 though I've recently added their speed set to it. So uh, we love it around here, and I think you would, too. Check out their site, tightbond.com. If you have any questions, comments, or random barking, we want to hear about it, uh, you can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Oh, also want to give a shout-out for the free plan that goes with today's episode. Uh, In... an upcoming issue of Woodsmith or Shop Notes, one of the two, we're doing a new cross-cut sled 
specially built for long pieces as well as miters. But if you're looking for an essential table saw sled, uh, check out the plan that goes with this episode. Otherwise, we'll see you next week, everybody, on the Shop Notes podcast. Bye.